And 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 the, the real pros, the Tom Brady's of the world, do nothing right. but stick to the basics. They execute the basics. It's a relentless execution of the basics that breeds yeah. success. Success is slow. It comes in baby steps. It comes over years. But it's that constant repetition of executing the basics and not skipping anything. Welcome to your next big project is you. A podcast based around the theme of time. Time to be able to press pause on life. Time to reevaluate what's important. Time to reminisce about where you've come from, what you've learned and what you've accomplished. Time to revisit your goals, dreams and vision. And time to remember the people in your life. That's it, my friends. If you've got time, fasten your seatbelt and listen in as we discuss opportunities for the next five to 25 years of your life. And remember, your next big project is you. Welcome to our podcast. Your next big project is you. And I've got a special guest today. It's rare for me to be able to get somebody that I consider um, a true icon, a true legend in our business and the business of, of the wealth management world and helping advisors to elevate their games and their growth to do a more effective job, more efficient job to meet the needs of their clients in the future. And my special guest, Don Connolly, thanks for joining us today, Don. Yeah, thank you, Leo. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, I was thinking of uh, preparing for this today. You remember that old commercial? I know you've been in the business a few years longer than me. You remember that old EF Hutton commercial? Uh, when EF Hutton talks, people listen. I'm, everybody, an, I'm an EF Hutton alumnus, Leo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know. Everybody's looking around the corner and, and listening. And, you know, the heads are turning and stuff. And uh, I've had the pleasure to hear you speak. And uh, most people would, like I said, you're, you're such a prolific storyteller in, in stage presence and things. And I, you know, I, I was thinking of you when I was, you know, prepping for today's podcast for folks to listen to, because when you talk, people not only listen, uh, they're furiously writing notes and many of them are saying, Hey, Don, could you say that again? How exactly did you say that? What were the words that I should be using and stuff? So I, when I think of that commercial, Don, I think of you. So Don, I'm, I'm curious. Walk me through the journey. How did it all get started for you? Where, where, you know, to where you are today? Well, I became I became a financial advisor, stockbroker in those days, if you, if you recall, and did that for many, many years. And following and then traditional path became a branch manager. Okay. And then left that side of the business, became the national sales manager for, for a small mutual fund company, which through acquisition today is one of the larger ones in the world. And then spent 20 years as as a, as a, a senior VP of marketing at uh, at Putnam Investments. I left 15 years ago. I've always spoken. Putnam put me on the road in the 1980s because I had been an advisor. Putnam had some issues, some public relations issues. So I went on the road to talk to advisors, sort of a mea culpa, forgive us. Yeah. And it, I was Christmas help, but it morphed into a job. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking to advisors ever since, really since the mid eight, mid to late 80s. Oh, wow. Um, long time, a lot of experiences. You, years, you've uh, put a few miles on there. Uh, frequent flyer card. I, I think, am a buddy. frequent flyer. <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting? I, in your message, Don, from hearing you speak myself and watching many of your videos and a lot of your intellectual work that you share online and things, uh, it, it, it doesn't, to me, it, it's such a timeless uh, series of stories and messaging. I know we both specialize in the wealth management arena, 
And I know we speak to new advisors, to very you know world-class folks in our profession that are elevating their game to be their best. I just find it doesn't matter to me, those uh, folks that are privileged to hear you speak on this podcast today, I don't care what industry you're in. Uh, I, I'm just going to encourage people to, to listen uh, because everything you talk about to me is just, it's universal. It just goes beyond industry. So if we start with the premise today, one of the things you talk about is that client relationships are fragile. Yeah. They're fragile. And when I start to look at some of your your key um, you know, statements and things that you put together over the years, I, I looked at it almost like, you know, Don's top 10 hit parade, you know, the old uh, Casey Kasem, I guess we're really aging ourselves here when he did the music side of 10. And, and these may not be top 10 for say, but a couple things really stood out to me. Let's start with the fact that People don't know what they don't understand. You know, they're not going to buy something that they don't understand. Let's get your framing there to start there, if you don't mind. Well, first of all, that's true. I don't think people do buy what they don't understand. And any profession, whether it's ours, Leo, or any other profession, there's a, there's a, a, a cognitive bias called the curse of knowledge. It's really hard for someone as, as well-versed as you are in your field to imagine the person across the tables of lesser knowledge. So we tend to speak in an arcane way, our own language, and we yeah. lose people. And people don't, people get confused. And when they say, I want to think it over, and I say in a selling situation is really saying, I didn't understand what you just said. And I'm not going to act like I completely understand it. So that is true. People do not buy what they don't understand. And the burden's on us to make them understand. They're never going to rise to our level of sophistication. And I don't mean dumb it down, Leo. I mean, we've got to make our speech so elegant that people understand every word we're saying. Yeah. The profession. Yeah. I believe it's not just the understanding. You, you get people to nod. And I, and my build off of that, Don, is that you get people, as I've said, that are some people in the business are professional visitors. You know, they're stopping in. Other people are selling products, they're selling performance, they're selling numbers, they're selling their pricing. And that third level, I believe, aligns well to what you're talking about. They're they're more technical tellers, and they have to they have to to, to learn how to become elegant in terms of their words that so people will understand them and things. Uh, what happens when people, though, in the business, many people that you work with as well. Uh, those that have achieved a, a good level of success. One of the other things that you talk about is the more successful that we get, that unfortunately, a lot of people lose sight of what got them to that success. What are some of your thoughts there, my friend? We get away from the basics. I mean, that's why checklists exist. It exists in the medical industry. And we don't, we don't have a dangerous job, Leo. If we make a mistake, there's not going to be an explosion and death. So right. we tend to cheat and get away with it. We do it with our personal lives. You know, is it five, it's five o'clock in the morning. Should I get up and run or sleep in? It's raining. Um, it's at lunchtime. Should I get a salad or a cheeseburger? There's no immediate negative consequence. So as salespeople, you know, we, if you and I sit down and talk to somebody, and it's, it, it, for us, it might be the 1,000th time we've done this. For them, it's opening night. We tend to get lazy. We skip mm. parts of our presentation. We make assumptions. And it's just it's human nature to stop doing what made you successful. And, and, and then the real pros... The Tom Brady's of the world do nothing right. but stick to the basics. They execute the basics. It's a relentless execution of the basics that breeds yeah. success. Success is slow. It comes in baby steps. It comes over years. But it's that constant repetition of executing the basics and not skipping anything. Yeah, I always talk, you go from good to great to extraordinary to being your best. And it's, it's like the old miracle movie. You remember, you know, do it again, 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 again. You know, the simplicity 
mastery is Marco Gladwell talks about, right? The 10,000 hours. Leo, you got you it. 100,000 hours plus. Yeah. We're, you and I, we're, we're blue collar workers in a white collar world. We have to do what we do. It's repetition over and over and over again. Yeah. That takes well, a certain mindset. It's hard to do. It's not easy. Why is it though, Don? Because people seem to get what I call proud and plateaued. They get comfortable and that laziness comes into play. What happens? You're just making too much money. They get too it's comfortable. What do you see in your travels? It's hard work to go in every single day and do the same thing over and over. And we want to play on a bigger stage. We get bored. We go through this certain mind. It's that somehow really capable people look at golfers. I mean, I like I'm a sports fan. I look yeah. at athletes, Leo. It's a relentless execution of the basics. There's no ad-libbing. There's no winging it. It's practicing. You know, I heard someone say to me one time, amateurs practice so they can get it right. Pros practice so they can't get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. And that's well, what we, that's what we, professionals have to do that. So you can't get it wrong. When you see someone hit a baseball, I have a video of Steve Curry making 103 point shots in a row in practice. That's just relentless. That's boring. It's boring yeah. success. Yeah, that's amazing. Relentless execution. It's hard to do. Yeah. Very few people can do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the way you uh, frame that relentless execution. Let's talk about the concept. Another one of the the hit parade of uh, Don Connolly's uh, years of wisdom and insight here. The the issues of likability and trust, how they come into play from your perspective. Well, I, I think with, no matter what business we're in, any business in the world, if you if you and I are going to do business, you're going to business with me. Are you going to hire me or deal with me? You have to like me, trust me, think my solutions are right. And people start focusing on their, Aristotle said, if you want to make, uh, if you want to be a charismatic speaker, make your audience happy. He said, there were three things. That was number one. So in my profession, financial, financial planning, if someone comes to see a financial advisor, the advisor, he or she is focused on their products, on the process, on the results. The clients are focused on happiness. They just want to be financially happy. So be, make them happy. So yeah. likability, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, wander too much but leo i grew up many 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 years ago in a small town in new england saying yes sir no ma'am to my parents it's a different generation like abilities moving your cart away from the middle of the aisle in the supermarket it's holding the door for the person behind you we all do business with people we like trust irrational non-linear you know a young mother walking down the streets of buffalo new york holding a child is not going to hand that infant just a tire shoe will not hand that infant to a stranger she will hand the infant to a, to a fireman because she trusts firemen. You ask her why? I don't know. I just trust firemen. They're trustworthy people. It's nonlinear. Yeah. If, 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 I think clients only have one question. Can I trust you? So, Leo, if you and I are doing business and you like me, and you think I'm smart, but you don't trust me, you're not going to do business with me. Yeah, exactly. If you think I'm smart and you trust me, but you don't like me, you're not going to do business with me. Yeah. So I don't care what business you're in. Work on your likability. Forget the product knowledge. <laughs> That's 5% of your success. Work on your likability and your trustworthiness and, and, and solutions. And trustworthiness is fragile. It really is fragile. Yeah. I always tell people, Don, my, my dictionary here in beautiful Buffalo, um, because this builds on one of your other themes around confidence. And when you look up the definition of trust, it says total confidence that others have in three things that you possess. They talk about, they talk about your integrity. They talk about uh, the fact of um, your character. Uh, that fireman, you know, in terms of the dress and the reputation and things like this, they talk about your abilities. So when someone says, hey, Don, I trust you, 
that you know that deep down um, that those three things are usually in place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, when I was a kid 50 years ago, starting in this business, if a client called me, it was acceptable to call back within a week. <laughs> Today, yeah, with text messaging, it's within five minutes. Wow. So there's but, all these things, these dynamics that can shatter trust. Yeah. But basically, it's trust. If I can predict what you're going to do, Leo, good or bad, I'll trust you one way or the other. It's consistency. Yeah. Be consistent. Talk, talk to us about your thoughts. So uh, I just mentioned that word confidence as well. I know it's a big part of your vocabulary when you talk to folks. What's your take on building confidence, earning confidence, you know, building off of that likability and trust, respect, things like this in terms of someone to be high level black belt, Navy SEAL, uh, world class confidence? How did it get there from your perspective? To me, Leo, it's knowing you can do the job. Knowing you're good at what you do. I'll tell you, an interesting, I'll, tell you I'll show my age now. Years ago, I watched a, uh, an interview with Pete Rose. And the reporter said, you need 72 hits to catch Ty Cobb to become the, get the most hits in history. How many at-bats is it going to take you to get 72 hits? And Pete Rose said, well, 72. And the <laughs> reporter said, you can't tell me you're going to, you think you, you, you get 72 hits and you have 72 at-bats. And Pete Rose said, you can't tell me I should go to the plate not thinking I'm going to get a hit. Every time I go to the plate, I think I'm going to get, it may take me 500 at-bats, but I really believe in my heart I'm going to get every time I walk up there. Yeah. That's, that's just, it's that, it's that wonderful confidence, not the arrogance, it's that wonderful confidence that comes with knowing you're, you're really good at what you do. And I think people can feel that. And I think they can read it on you. And it's just, you walk in the door, it's charisma. It, it's filling up a room. It's, it's people stopping to look at you when you walk in, you know, that feeling you're, you're a charismatic, very charismatic, you know, it, you have a lot of confidence. you fill up a room, you know that, you know what it's like. Well, you know what's funny is when people respond, I talk about the lack of hesitation in response a lot of times. It's built off of that preparation. I've got a client, a Canadian client of ours, and I said, how many clients do you have? She's, she's had 133. I said, how many A clients do you have? She says 133. It's, it's, it's like that Pete Rose response. It, it's like a mentality. It's like a, the self uh, the self-belief. Yeah. Uh, and she's serving people at a high level. You're going to come in. If I'm going to earn the right, be privileged, blessed to work with you. Guess what? You're going to be an A client of mine, Pete Rose. How many, how many at-bats do you need? 72. Yeah. And it's, it's not, like, you can't say my service is great. You're not allowed to say your clients have to say that. There's only one yeah. level of service at the, one, one level of service at the Ritz-Carlton. It's all great service. Yeah. They don't yeah. discriminate, give less service to somebody else. There's only one level of service. Yeah. See, Don, let's talk about that concept of scarcity. It's one of the things, Don, that you referenced as well. And I know you've got some thoughts relative to being competitively differentiated and things like that. What do you, you know, take it a little bit deeper for me, please. Well, I think, first of all, similarities don't sell, differences sell. We all, Seth Godin wrote a book called The Purple Cow. Yes. And all cows look alike, they're brown and white. So our purple cow really stand out. And that should be our goal. So one way to do that is don't ask what everybody else is doing. What, what aren't people, what's missing in the equation? What, what's, what's a scarce commodity that we could provide that people would love to have they can't get from the competition? Now, I think it's a, it could be a couple of different things. I think things that people in our business, I'll tell you what people really love when you can keep it simple. I think, it's, I think common sense is scarce, Leo. Yeah. I think if you can be known as, as so the idea is not to be better than the other person, it's to be different. Yeah. Not to compete yeah. against the mob, compete against yourself. What would, as Einstein said, call it the, what would make me the obvious choice? 
what is the proper question I can answer to make me the obvious choice? And there are certain things, in, in a, certainly in my business, and you all businesses, that are missing that people would love to have. You know, service in America, and I, don't want to, I don't want to pontificate, but service in America has slipped to the point, Leo, when someone does their job right, you want to write their boss a letter, say how great they are just for doing their job. So when everything's mediocre, anything slightly above mediocrity stands out like a sore thumb. It's scarce. Mm. But try to be that. You know, if you get a blue box from Tiffany, you don't know what's in it, but you know it's going to be good, whatever it is. Yeah, That's exactly. People should feel about you every time you walk in the door. I don't know what Leo's going to say, but I know it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, good. Great, great, uh, great comparison there to a brand like that as well. What do you mean by role reversal? Uh, uh, when I was listening to one of your videos, uh, I kept thinking that one of my adages is the best way to, uh, to learn how to sell is to first understand what it's like to buy. Put yourself in the role of a customer. Put yourself in the role of a client. To do, yeah. what's, what's your take on role reversal? Well, I, I tell people to empathize, but don't sympathize. You know, I, I can use financial planning. I can use life insurance. The consequences of not owning life insurance or doing financial planning are huge, but there's always a reason not to do it. Uh, we have to get a new kitchen. We're going to Europe. We're buying a new car. Uh, wait till school's out. Wait till school's in. And if you're not confident and, and you know, I have, there's a six word saying, Leo, if I believe, I'll be believed. Yep. And if I really believe in what I'm doing, I will say, Leo, you've got to do this right now. You cannot put this off. A lot of people will acquiesce and say, okay, fine. They'll give up. And all of a sudden, the client or the prospect's controlling the conversation. We lose our edge. And true professionals, and I could tell you, I don't want to drag the coffin through the room, but I could tell you life insurance stories that are, are a tragedy, bring tears to your eyes. Because people just put it off, put it off, put it off. And I, I could tell you a hundred stories, so it's too late. And it's not something you go out and buy. No one's ever woken up and said, I got to go buy life insurance. I, I kid, but it's true. People buy liquor. They buy cars. They have to be sold financial planning and life insurance. Yeah, and amazing. And, um, and, and it takes a pretty strong person. You know, Leo, it takes a lot of courage to call someone you love and tell them to do something for someone they love. That takes a lot of courage. Yeah. I, lo I love that concept, Dad. It's like uh, raising the volume on that conversation, speaking from your heart, being authentic. Um, just, you know, letting people know, Hey, there's a disconnect here. You know, I, I, you need to do this. I love what you said there about believability. If you believe it, then they will believe it. I, I yeah. believe the builder, the kissing cousin of that is that if you're convinced, they'll be convinced. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're impressed, they'll be, you know, be, be impressed before you become impressive. Those life adages that flow like that. And the believability don't buy because they're motivated they buy it because the agent's motivated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's your whole issue about, uh, one of the, the videos that you talked about was, uh, and maybe this is a build off of what we just talked about, about being that gentle bully, uh, you know, speaking from your heart, maybe authenticating that, hey, you, you need, you know, almost like a finger point in a nice way without getting, you know, too invasive and let, you know, let elevating your volume again. Uh, what, what does gentle bully mean to you and why they, why well, it means being politely persistent, politely persistent. Okay. Someone says, call me and I call him. I'm not nagging. They told me to call him. But I'm going to call them until they tell me to stop calling them because I really believe no one's ever died with too much money is the old saying. You can't have, and I can get, again, Leo, story after story after story of people that didn't prepare. Because I have one quick story, if I may. I have a friend who's a financial advisor. He's in Australia. He grew up with three buddies. They were childhood friends. They all got married. They all had kids. All three are dead through various accident, illness, or whatever. He's still alive, obviously. 
He said, I never spoke to any of the three about financial planning and life insurance because I didn't want to be that guy. In all three cases, the, the widows and kids are not well off. And he says to people, you've got to hear the lecture at least once in your life. If not for me, then who? Yeah. And I, I, I believe that. I will, I will, look, Leo, if I sit down next to somebody at a baseball game at Fenway Park, I'm going to ask them to do financial planning because I think <laughs> it's that important. You know, and yeah. doing a lot of life insurance is a question wrapped around a statement. A question, you know, it's a, it, it, and the answer is no. You know, Ben Feldman used to say, if I met a, if I met a person with $200,000 worth of life insurance, and I say, you're insuring all your tomorrows for $200,000, is that worth, is that going to cover it? I say, Ben would say, come to work for me right now. I'll pay you 200000 in cash right now. Work for me. I'll never pay you again the rest of your life. Would you do it? No, you'd laugh at me. Well, that's what you're insuring your tomorrow's for. It's not enough. Yeah. So that's yeah, being politely persistent. That dogged, until you throw me out of the house, I'm going to keep saying this because I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh, it comes across so well, too. Uh, um, you talk a lot as well, Don, about calming clients down, and you reference many, many great stories from advisors that have been, you know, privileged to be in your coaching classes and things like this. I don't know if you remember a couple of these, there was a, um, you know, you talk about, I don't want to lose any money in your guidance to people to reframe. It's an objection, right? It's a life objection. It's a life issue that needs to be reframed. What's your strategy on that for the groups? Well, I think, think you know, I think if, if, if you get an objection, it's all it is, Leo, it's an unanswered question. It's something you either failed to cover or didn't cover adequately. So I think if someone's going to, again, we'll use it a buying situation. I had to be crude about that. But if, if it's me in a situation, I have to get three yeses. They have to like me. They have to like my recommendation. And they have to like the particular company I'm recommending. So if I get, I want to think it over. I'm not, it was something I failed to convince them. Either I'm the right guy, my recommendation's right, or the company I'm recommending is the right company. Yeah. The burden's on me, not on them. So I have to circle back and... I know what it is. Yeah. Do you remember one of the advisors that you coached uh, gave you the Nordstrom's uh, story? Yes. Nordstrom's the sale. Nordstrom, no. <laughs> tell, tell us the Nordstrom's sale. Nordstrom's, Nordstrom's sale. Nordstrom, no. He tells salespeople, say you go into Nordstrom and you want to buy uh, a pair of socks. So you go through the door and the Nordstrom being Nordstrom, someone's you and says, can I help you? No, I know what I want. I'm good. Then you can't find the socks. <laughs> so now you got to ask for help. The first no was meaningless. Don't worry about the first no. <laughs> exactly. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> he calls that the Nordstrom no. So when yeah. someone says no to him, he says, yeah, that's like you can't find the black socks. We'll get back to it. <laughs> I, I love the one as well when you've got uh, advisors that are stumped with people that are being hesitant or slowing down the cycle. And uh, they need to be comforted. And they they talk about the phraseology. Really, I I know my business as well as you know your business to do this. Do you remember that story? Yeah, that's where it's a young lady in North Carolina who was a financial advisor with a well-known bank. And that happens to be tobacco country, for instance. She has a lot of clients who are tobacco farmers. And to put the person at ease, she will say to the tobacco farmer, if I came to your tobacco farm today, how much did you expect to be know, to me to know about tobacco farming? Well, not a thing. Well, fine. I expect you to know nothing about my business. I want you to relax. I'm just going to tell yeah. you a story and get you familiar with that business. So perfect. Just so like perfect get me in terms of that uh, type of response. Yeah. Um, Don, there was another one that caught me too. You had uh, someone that you uh, coaching as well. They talked about there's no sales signs in our business. 
We use minus signs uh, to do this regarding performance and things like this. And serves to try to position. He's a, a funny guy. Yeah, he was saying compliance. I'm not allowed. Compliance would allow me to write stocks on sale on the statement. So in your monthly statement, we don't write stocks on sale. We use minus signs to let you know the stuff's on sale. It's it's all the simplicity of of um, just putting ourselves in that client's in our client's seat so that we can best understand how to make our points come across to do this. I'm looking at my my room here and you tell another story when the market is down 10% and maybe because I'm a masochistic Buffalo Bill season ticket holder and visualizing that 100-yard field. um, And you tell that story about an advisor that just walks across their office and here's what we're talking about, how they minimize things the way I look at it. What's your take on that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think we have to put it in terms people are familiar with. So I'll say it is a Buffalo Bills football fan. You say a 10% loss in the market is like the ball's on the Ted line. Ted line. You still got 90 yards to go. Right, not to right. Say, you know, you're not near the end of the rope here. In a basketball court, it's a free throw line. The rest of the court's wide open. Yeah. So it, one stride in a 30-foot room is like a 10% drop in a 30,000 Dow. When you put it in perspective, it's not quite as scary. Yeah. Elevators don't soar and plunge, they go up and down. (laughs) See, Don, you've mastered the simplicity of helping people just to think of different ways to articulate, to communicate, to storytell, as you you say in your own way, to do this. And you've just elevated the books of businesses uh, in the mindsets of so many professionals in your travels throughout the globe, for that matter. I know you've been all over the world in, in terms of your travels and things like this. If I were a rookie, coming into the business. And maybe it's, maybe it's someone in your Rolodex. Maybe it's a kid of one of your best uh, coaching clients. It doesn't even matter. I don't care what industry they are in, in terms of, you know, one, two, or three, what, what are you telling them to earn likability and trust? Or is there any just common precepts? I don't care what industry someone's going to be engaged in. Uh, you're talking to me as a 22 year old, leaving college today. What do you, what are you telling me in terms of some of these principles? If you had to net it out, well, first thing I would say to somebody new is it doesn't matter. They're sitting there, who do I know? Who do I know? Who do I know? It doesn't matter how many people you know. It's who, how, what matters how many people know you. Mm. Go out and get well-known. Yeah. Not for your speaking services at church, at Rotary, Knights of Club, wherever it is, get in front of people. Work on your likability. Leo, the most recognizable sign in the world from 20 feet away is a smile. Look how many people don't smile. Yeah. Kids laugh all day long. Adults never laugh. So it sounds old-fashioned, but I'm an old-fashioned guy. Yeah. It's eye contact. It's a firm handshake. It's, la- it's likability. If I like you, you're going to like me. It's just the yeah. way it works. We all do business with people we like. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm old school, too, my friend. I think that's why we've connected as much emotionally and logically. You know, there's you know members on my team in the past. Let's just send them an email. I said, hey, if it's that important, real relationships are built eyeball to eyeball. What, you know, if we, if we feel the relationship potential is that important, that strategic, then why would we want to earn the right to go sit down, you know, side by side with somebody, look them in the eyes? That's what I say. Worst case, we have a cup of coffee and get to know each other. Worst case. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Is it worth well, a cup of coffee just to sit down well, and say hi? What about those folks then if we elevate from just that new person to those ones that are, you're, you're a group of uh, chairman's club advisors from XYZ firm. These people have made it. They're all making a lot of money. 
they're still sitting there. And as we talked about it, we rewind this interview, you know, those proud and plateau, the people that have achieved success, they almost need a little, a, a dose of like a, a, a adrenaline shot or something. Some of them, but they, some of them are just saying, Hey, Don, I'm living in this community. I'm making a lot of money. I love hearing your stories, but I don't know that I'm going to change. I'm too old. I'm doing well. Do you give up on those people? Or what do you do? You, you give them a little dose you know, of. They all say to me, oh, my Lord, you reminded me of what I'm not doing. <laughs> you remind me of what I forgot to be doing. But a lot yeah. of them have younger people working for them. They'll turn me on to the younger people. But, you know, I, one thing I will never try to do, Leo, in life is try to change somebody's mind. I'm just not going to do that. Life's it's not worth it. It's not and, worth it. Um, I meet a lot of old people that are really successful still want to go to the next level. There's always yeah. somebody with a bigger boat, right? Yeah. Got a car or whatever. So yeah, I meet people that are complacent and I don't try to change their minds. I say, fine, fine. Good for you. Yeah. Too many people that really do need help. It's almost like, yeah, congratulations. I, yeah, I wish you the best. Either. Keep up, keep up yeah. whatever you're doing that you want to do. I'm really here to help people that uh, are looking at you. They're still on a path of greatness in their own mind. And I use a Leo Pusateri question. Yeah. You're so good. What's your message? Yeah. Yeah. So what is the your Leo Pusateri look, question? Look me in the eyes and edit out. How many words are in it? Uh-oh. Yeah. Time out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Don, you know, it's funny. If, if the last theme here, last point of discussion here. When you think about your career in, the, in a lot of those folks in our industry uh, or just starting a career in another industry, I've always said, you know, it's like your first couple of years out of college. You're trying to survive, right? You're just trying to make a few bucks to get your career off and running. And all of a sudden, you survival leads into the next S in terms of so we get some sense of security. You know, we, we, we nail a first big client. We uh, we get elevated, you know. We we uh, we get married. We buy our first home. We we're, we're things are starting to happen. We elevate the next few years. All of a sudden, from survival to security to success. My gosh, we achieved a club level recognition. Look at what we've done now. I bought this car I always wanted. Our kids are in school. We're doing really well. You know, things are going. And now to the point of significance to do this. And as you know, a lot of my work these days is, is going through that, the manifestation of someone's life to now living a life with significance, making a difference in their own life, in the lives of others, having a life that no regrets, looking back, a life filled with abundance and gratitude and perspective, being their best and ultimately living their legacy. I'm seeing this more and more. How do those themes flow when you're out talking to people from significance to legacy what you, you, you talk to so many people how is how is that coming across to you when you're in front of somebody uh rephrase it for me just a little bit give me give me on course here a little bit i understand well, what, what you're saying i want to understand you know, the question when you're talking and someone says you know hey don i don't know if i'm living a life of significance what what would that look and feel like to you wow that's a that's a you know um I was at a meeting. I don't know if this is going to be a correct. I hope this is the right answer. I was at a meeting with very top level, the, the most uh, successful advisors on the West Coast for a major, major firm. The 25 top 25 people on the West Coast. They were asked questions that had them crying in the room. Literally. One of the questions that made them cry most is how do you want to be remembered? Yeah. And um, the, the, there was a young lady, she was a psychiatrist actually, and she made the point, if you want to deal with high, high ultra high net worth people, You've got to be able to answer these questions about yourself. Yeah. Before you can answer it for them. And she asked a lot of questions that were really made you think hard. And that one was, you know, how do you want to be remembered? 
Yeah. So I, I did yeah. that with people. I will ask. Yeah, it's funny when you it. think of legacy, I start to think about the, your vision, your goals for the future, uh, not just being remembered, but you know, even to the point, is there anything transformative you can do? Is there do, any- you, do you remember Steve Grogan? Used to be a quarterback. Football, I remember his football quarterback for the Patriots, Grogan. We hired him to speak. He just gotten traded after Tom Brady came on the scene. Sure. And I was working for Putnam Investments. So Steve Grogan said, very, very bright guy, smart guy, good guy, said, New England Patriots are a big organization, and Putnam's a big organization. I want you to imagine a very flat pond, still as could be, and you throw a rock in that pond. You know, Steve Grogan leaving the Patriots is big news. President Lee Putnam is big news. No matter how big the rock you throw, eventually those ripples go away. Yeah. Yeah, very true. You can't sustain the ripples. Life goes on. Life, yeah, very true. Someday you're going to walk out the door and it's going to be the last day of your career. How big do you want those ripples to be? How do you want to be remembered? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We're all going through it right now as well. So, hey, Don, this is one of those podcasts I don't want to end. Uh, (laughs) Quite honestly, I could uh, pick your brain and refer back to some of your great stories uh, for hours, to be honest with you and stuff. I know I've had the privilege to spend some time with you for dinner and spend some time with you down at your home in Sarasota and uh, really get to know you better. You are a gift, my friend. Thank you, sir. Uh, you are an absolute gift to our to the industry that As we've been are you. For. As are you, believe me. And uh, I can't thank you enough for which the contributions you've given to make people uh, more successful, to elevate their games, to challenge them to their own lo- definition of greatness. Oh, that's great. Uh, you help me to think about my own pathway in the future. I get better every minute. I get a chance to listen to you. And I love in our last dinner, when we were, you were sharing a story, like, hey, are you going to retire? And we were talking about, forget that story. Maybe we can end on that. You said, hey, we're just we're just starting to figure things out. <laughs> well, I'm would, 77 years old, Leo, and I have no intention of retiring. The yeah. one variable at my stage in life is my health. As long as I have my health, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, well, you you stay healthy, my friend. You got so much more to give to people. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Don. for the opportunity, Leo. Thank you. Thank you, buddy.